Howdy, Mindfitters. Welcome to episode 12 of the Mindfit Movement podcast. Hope everyone's well. Um, I'm your host, Ant Marino, and welcome, welcome back if you are a returning listener. And if you are new here, thanks for stopping by. You can also check out some of our, our other podcasts. Um, and also, if you do like it, guys, really, really would appreciate um, if you subscribed and um, gave it a five-star rating. If you believe it's worth five stars, you can give it less if you want to. Um, and if you feel like it, give it a nice review or a shit review, whatever you want. Um, so yeah, on this show, I have Kylie Macbeth. Um, so Kai is a certified health coach and uh, she's a business owner with an identical twin sister. Um, and basically their, their company is called Zura Health and it's a holistic approach to your health and wellness. Um, and Kai's main focus um, has been about human relationships and liberating consci- consciousness so and how they kind of interconnect together so basically being aware of our limiting beliefs our wounds triggers and traumas that get in the way of deeper intimacy with ourselves but also with others so um we have our own relationship with ourselves but also we have a relationship to other whether it's friend family um partner um, business partner, relationship partner. Um, so yeah, so Kai has been supporting people um, on their journeys back home to themselves, to their bodies, to their emotions, their desires, their souls and their purpose and why they're on this planet. Um, so yeah, super, super interesting episode, guys. Like, holy fuck, it blew my mind. I was, it's crazy. So we chat we chat about trauma, we chat about our psyche trolls, you know, that, that inner critic and, you know, um, what stops us from doing what we want to do. We talk about um, shame and basically where it all comes from and how it keeps us small, how it stops us from speaking up, for, for, you know, about our truth and what we believe is to be true and, um, but also keeps us small from, you know, doing big things in this world, you know, whether it's starting a fucking podcast, um, starting a business, starting a YouTube channel, starting something creative, writing a book, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, it all comes back to shame, trauma, and our psyche trolls. Um, so, yeah. Actually, I wanted to talk about, it's funny, after I recorded this episode, I started to see a lot more, um, a lot more, you know, how shame shows up in, up in this world. And there's like, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame in this world, you know, like you do something wrong, you get shame for it. Um, you turn up late, you get shamed for it. Um, you you speak your mind you get told to shut up and fit in you get that's shame you're getting shamed right 
And I had a had a conversation with a friend yesterday. Um, she's been seeing this guy, and um, yeah, like she she reached out to him and said, "Hey, um, not feeling that great. Um, you know, I had some shit come up. Um, blah 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 blah." So yeah, just just letting you know, I'm just feeling a little bit off, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he didn't write back. Right, and she she then felt um, disconnected from him, but also like he didn't care, right? But she didn't want to tell him that because she didn't want to look needy. And I'm not sure where it stemmed from, but usually it stemmed from being shamed when you're younger in your family system, right? You you are. You're trying to ask for attention when you're a child from your primary caregivers, which is your mom and your dad. And if they're busy or whatever, and they're not conscious of their parenting, they will shame you, you know. Um, For an example, they'll say, oh, she's so needy. Or, you know, like, she's so emotional. Or um, whatever it might be. But it's in a shaming way. And then that causes... um, that causes us to shut down and hide away from from speaking our truth and speaking how we really feel because we're scared of being shamed again and and when you're a child and you get shamed like that like your parents your is your survival right and we're survival mechanisms so basically you don't want to speak up you're going to hide away so that you can fit in right and survive because if you speak up, you might be, um, you know, separated or, um, I don't know the best word, um, not disjointed, but, you know, like, um, you might be an outcast of the family because you're not fitting in, you're not going with the flow, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, I had that conversation with, with my friend, um, and how, yeah, like she shouldn't be scared to to express her needs um, because we're all different. We all have different needs and she's hiding away from her truth. And if she, 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 if she stays with this guy and hides from her truth, she's actually abandoning herself. And that will lead to, you know, um, a m- massive amounts of resentment and also um, disconnection um, and a lot of unfulfillment in that relationship. And then um, I also then another thing came up um, later on in the day, and I know this is this intro is going for a long time, but I just really, I really want to share this because it it fucking fires me up, right? Um, so. Going on my personal development journey, um, I have learned to become a lot more accepting, right? Accepting of myself and accepting of others, right? So whether what whatever that might be, whether it's um, religion, sexuality, um, or even just like um, you know sexes, being being more um, accepting of the female sex, right? Because 
um, certain beliefs that I had were that were ingrained. It's my programming from growing up, um, you know, that women are, you know, separate from men or whatever. Um, I don't need to get into that too much, but now I'm so fucking accepting of females and they are 100% deserving of everything that they want in this fucking world. And um, it truly fires me up when I hear somebody putting down a woman and telling them, you know, to go back, go back in the kitchen or fucking, um, you know, basically just to stay small, right? To stay small. Um, and this is one of the things that Kai, Kai talks about in this episode. And it's about, um, you know, as a woman, um, not sharing your truth, you know, not standing up for yourself because, you know, she was taught to be ladylike, you know, well, be a lady, just fit in, don't upset the apple cart, you know, don't, don't cause any grief, you know, just, just stay small, right? And that is fucking bullshit. Now, this, this thing that I, um, that happened yesterday was, um, somebody was talking about, um, this poster in a gym and it was talking about like, um, it was to do with like eating and, you know, if you want to be, um, if you want to be big and muscly, eat like a king. Um, if you want to stay trim, then eat like a prince. And then there was something else. If you want to stay really small, then eat like a boy. And they, somebody made a comment about it. I can't remember what it was. But I chimed in and I was like, yeah, and it's extremely sexist. And everyone was kind of like, what? And then an older lady laughed and kind of got what I was talking about. And then he was like, what? What do you... Like the guy that was explaining, he goes, what do you mean that's sexist? Um, and I said, well, what this poster is saying is, if you want to be this and this and this, right, you got to eat like a man, eat like a king, eat like a, you know, a prince. What about... What about eat like a fucking queen? What about eat like a fucking princess? Right? It's bullshit. It shouldn't be... It shouldn't be one-sided. It shouldn't be like, if you want to be, if you want to be strong, you got to eat like a man. No, because women can be fucking strong, and you can eat like a fucking woman, right? It doesn't matter. It's fucking equal. We are equal, and um, basically, his daughter um, kind of said, you know, like, what do you mean, you know? Uh, and I explained more. I said it's not it's not fair, you know, because it's being one sided. And she goes, she goes, oh yeah, but you'd have to be a little bit precious to get worked up about that. And I said, I said no. It's it's twenty twenty, right? And it doesn't even matter that it's twenty twenty, right? We have to be more accepting of other people, and and treating each other as equal. And, um, and basically, and I was like, you know, women are the same as men, right? And she's like, oh, why do you care? You're a bloke. And I was just like, I, I didn't reply, but I was like, in my head, I was like, this is it, right? She's been programmed 
that blokes or men are higher than women. That's where that comment from her would have came from. She truly believes that because of whatever her programming is and what she's seen growing up. And it it fucking makes me sad um, because if she doesn't if she doesn't do any any self development self growth work, she, for the rest of her life she's gonna think that she's lower than a man, and that's not right. That's not fucking right at all. Because we're all fucking equal, and you know, for any partnership, that it needs to be an equal an equal playing field. So yeah, um, just wanted to just wanted to put that in because basically this is what Kai talks about and how you know and she's speaking from a, a female's perspective and um, how how our conditioning and all that stuff the sh- the shame around being a woman and being less than and that's keeping people small and it's not fair so yeah um on that note it's a fucking sick episode like it seriously got me so fired up and but also not just fired up but like really fucking connected you know really connected to kai and what she what she's been through and um yeah just it's just I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just a fucking great episode. So, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Peace. Welcome back to another episode of the MindFit Movement podcast. Today on the show, I have the lovely Kylie Macbeth. How are you, Kylie? I'm lovely. How are you? Well, I call you Kai, so I'm just going to call you Kai throughout this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, everyone. How so are you? I'm good. Yeah, good. Um, so, Kai, from from what I know of, you are a, <laughs> you are a certified health coach, emotional expert. Mm. Uh, you're a co-founder with your twin sister of a awesome health company called Zero Health. Yeah. And also you have your own podcast. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, crushing it. Crushing it. Um, Just listen all the labels. Listen all the labels. So <laughs> um, what, what is your prime sort of um, thing that you do in this world? What's, what's the most area you sort of dance and play in and, I love to say what, what gets your juices flowing? Yeah. So many, so many threads get my juices flowing these days, but primarily my focus in in my life's work has been around human relationships as well as the intersection between relationships and liberating consciousness. So becoming aware of um, our limiting beliefs, but all also the wounds, the triggers, the traumas that get in the way of a deeper intimacy with self and with other. So supporting people and coming back home to, of course, themselves, their bodies, their emotions, 
their desires, their soul, like what their purpose is for being here on this planet. And with that healing journey and the creation of personal sovereignty, leading, leading now into in my life's work is more around co- like a collective liberation through self-ownership and self-belonging. So being so completely self-contained in your body, in your experience, in your own mm. energy, mm. that you are listening and in congruence with your mind, body, heart, and soul. Because I think that congruency is what this planet needs in order to usher in a new, a new world, a new, a new way of, of being, of relating, and of living. So major focus right now is actually my book. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, I completely cleared off my 2020 calendar in order to devote all of my energy to the completion of my first book. Um, so that's where all of my energy is going right now. I have a lot of fun connecting with people, but at the core, I'm a writer yeah. and I'm a researcher and I love connecting with other people, but I also love writing about the human experience and storytelling and utilizing those methods of words and story to, to create more connection. Wow. How exciting. I know. I'm so That's, stoked. It's been like six years in the works of like, like the voice came in six years ago and was like, write a book. And I was like, absolutely not. No, I'm not worthy of that. Like, it was like, I'm not worthy. Nobody cares what I have to say. Like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not a writer. You know, all of the BS, all of the psychic trolls mm. that are just like, don't do that. Stay small, stay hiding, mm. stay quiet, act like mm. a lady. Don't share the truth. You know, all of that stuff I've had to burn to the mm. ground over the last six years and it's taken a lot of work so now to finally get to this place where i'm claiming it as like this is my work feels yeah. super liberating like i'm on a new wave yeah. but also like oh shit <laughs> what does this world look like so yeah oh yeah. that's gonna be the best book i can't wait because uh <laughs> i i feel like we actually have a lot in common um mm-hmm. And, and the way that um, Jamie, Jamie Ray sort of explained it was like kinship. Because um, yeah. like, I feel like I have a lot of kinship with him as well. And mm-hmm. um, he was saying, because I listened to the, your potty that you did with him. And um, he was like, that you guys were just vibing. And I was just like, in my car, like vibing with what you guys were saying. I felt like I was in the conversation too. Yes. But I just couldn't say anything. Um, <laughs> Darn it. We got to get you in on that. We'll yeah. A triple pod. A three-way, as he would probably call it. (laughs) Totally would. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So, yeah, it's funny you say about those uh, psyche trolls Mm -hmm. um, because I'm I'm pretty sure everybody has them um, because I definitely do. And there was, you know, before starting this podcast, I I had a lot of psyche uh, trolls happening in in my head, Mm -hmm. right? Totally. Um, but yeah, long story short, got into it and, uh, and loving it. But could you explain like, where do those trolls come from? Like, are they just, are you born with them? <clears throat> oh man. How long do you have to just really <laughs> unpack where all of those trolls come from? They come from a myriad of different places. It, truly a lot of them stem from culture over culture. So some of the narratives that uh, are just a part of 
of the culture in which mm. we live in. So I know in Australia, you have that tall poppy syndrome. That shit is real over there. Oh, yeah. Like, that's like, it's gnarly, actually. Like, if you get too high, then people cut you at the knees. I mean, and we, we see that and we watch that um, in the media and the news. Like, the bigger you get or the more space you take up, mm. uh, you might you might experience more abandonment or disenfranchisement or a myriad of different things. But then you also have to look in your personal timeline of like where in your life have you experienced uh, somebody rejecting a part of you? And this, every single human Mm. that I've ever come in contact with has experienced this. And sometimes it's not even intentionally from from and within our family systems, in our school systems, um, with friends on the playground, with <clears throat> not fitting into societal norms, like depending on what you look like and what your body looks like, like all of it. It's like, there's so many layers to this conversation. And then you have to look at intergenerationally where and ancestrally and through your lineage of all of the survival strategies and adaptations <laughs> that brought you here in order to be safe in this world. Because historically, yeah. if you did take up more space, if you um, did speak your truth, or if you um, did take like stand in your power, a lot of the times you <laughs> were not celebrated. You might have been exiled. You might have been punished. Like so, we still have a lot of this remnants. I think in our DNA. Mm. and um yeah and they show up in the psyche of course but i always like to say it's any toxic energy that has ever come towards us both explicitly and implicitly that kind of becomes this internalized voice that keeps us stuck in our survival adaptations um and acting like you know unfortunately children you know like we're afraid Mm. terrified of actually Mm. moving forward and taking up space and so when you look at it through that lens it offers, I think, individuals a lot more space to be curious with themselves as like why we're afraid to move forward and why those voices are present. And then also Mm -hmm. the compassion towards self for being afraid. Because I think it all does come back down to fear, like truly afraid of something happening when you take that step forward and take Mm -hmm. that leap and create, I'm going to fail. You know, people are going to judge me. Like all of those things. So yeah. real, so human. We all go through it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I hope that answered your question. It's a layered, it's a layered question, layered answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Um, so you said uh, in there about DNA, like we have it in our DNA. Like what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse me, say what? Yeah. So they're tracing it back to, uh, currently, so epigenetic factors. So what does that epi- mean? So epigenetic is, is how <laughs> I love you. Is how our environments affect the expression of our DNA. Okay. So they're tracing these epigenetic markers that kind of control and express in DNA all the way back to seven generations. Wow. Currently, and I think okay. it probably goes back even further than that. But like seven generations, you potentially are carrying that survival adaptation from seven generations ago and that's that adaptation that might say stay small Mm. be quiet act Mm. this way you know act in alignment with status quo whatever it might be um but it's stored in our body as like memory cellular memory and we feel that somatically Mm. 
I think a lot of the somatic ex- symptoms that we face on the planet and you know people might call me woo for this but there's you are layers. you are woo i'm so woo. <laughs> give me all the woo yeah. um there's deeper layers to it there's emotional there's intergenerational there is ancestral there's and and that's the work like what do we need to do and heal in order to open up a new doorway create a doorway where there's a wall mm. and what's the point of living if we're not stepping forward and and kind of <laughs> taking up more space and saying yes to our own journey. Yeah. You're right. It's like dying. Like you said, before we started recording, it's like, Oh, stagnancy. It doesn't mm. feel good. Well, yeah, yeah. it's not supposed to, yeah. it's not in alignment with the natural rhythm of life. Yeah. It's yeah. Life's forever changing and evolving, right? Yeah. Ebbs and mm. flows. Ebbs and flows. Yeah. Ups and downs. Lies and lows. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so to to keep going on the DNA, because um, this is something that I actually really wanted to talk to you about, was um, like trauma and <laughs> your, yes. your face yes. just lit up. Um, yeah, let's talk about trauma. <laughs> um, because from what I know and like what from my learnings, um, trauma is what... Well, my yeah my i guess complete understanding of it is happened it happens from when you uh when you're a child and you're growing up and certain things happen and then you you kind of have to shape and mold yourself into this person to survive right yeah um because that's what we are we're survival mechanisms right and then um but that trauma could be stored in the body right and then to, to move past that, we have to release that. Correct. But I heard, I heard on one of your podcasts um, that trauma can, can be in your body before you're even born. Yes. So I'm really curious to, to hear a little bit more about that because yeah, my mum and I were actually chatting about it and she was oh. like, yeah, yeah. She's like, because she listens to your podcast and she loves it. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Hi. Hi, yeah. mom. Love that. <laughs> um, so we were chatting about this and I was like, I'm actually going to ask Kai when I get her on my body. Yeah. What does she mean by this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So very similar to what I was expressing just a few moments ago is there's chan- like intergenerational trauma. So these are like trauma templates that have been passed down through our lineage um, and then there's transgenerational, which is also very similar is passed down through, through, um, through our lineage, but there's also pre pre like, um, in utero trauma. So if the mother is stressed, high levels of cortisol, depending on her external environments, that's going to cause, um, a developmental trauma to, to a baby. Like, and that's mm. where, well, that's where at least myself personally am at in my own journey is like looking back at like birth trauma. And so many of us have experienced birth trauma, especially in the Western paradigm. Um, so, so you, you, yes, you have your ancestral trauma, right? Intergenerational, transgenerational, and then you have shock trauma. Shock trauma is like abuse, natural disaster, um, things that are like an, a major shock mm. in events okay. um, where we feel powerless and 
in the somatic experiencing world or people who are actually looking at healing from a somatic body-based perspective, trauma is not an event. It's an experience in the body. Mm. So what you might experience as a trauma um, in your internal experience, maybe a sibling or somebody else does not experience it in the same way mm. as you did, depending on your predisposition and sensitivity in that environment. So it's like everyone kind of has their own internal experience to everything, which, you know, of course creates a lot of variation Yeah, as we can all see in our family systems when our siblings are like, oh, I didn't experience it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how did you not experience it that way? Like, you're just like <laughs> yeah. Shocked. yeah. But it's yeah. because we all have a different trauma template. Yeah. Um, and then you have developmental trauma. And so developmental trauma is, is the more subtle, like attachment trauma that we experience um, in, in our early relationships with our primary caregivers. And that's when mm. any of our core emotional needs are not met 100% of the time, which it's not even realistic to expect, especially in our current systems, for our parents to be able to meet our needs 100% of the time. Yeah. And so over time, we start to lose trust, we lose connection, we lose like all of these, there's an environmental failure. And so what happens somatically when we experience those traumas over and over is without the capacity to utilize our survival instincts, which is fight, flight, right? Like run or fight mm. back to get out of the environment. We, we freeze. Mm. And so then we shut down because it's like, well, I can't fight and I can't flee because my primary, my relationship with my primary caregiver is more important than anything. Cause that is our survival. So you'll, what will happen in, in, in that for a child specifically is when we don't have access to actually move that survival energy and complete that cycle of the nervous system, we create what are called pride or shame-based identifications. So we make it mean that there's something wrong with us. Okay. Like I am bad. I am broken. It's my fault. And that's where a lot of, again, those narratives come up that we're talking about those psychic trolls, because they're all kind of rooted in um, this early developmental trauma, hmm. a lot of them. Um, and, and that's where we have to start to separate the story from the actual uh, emo or survival energy that hasn't been completed in our nervous systems. That's why most of my work is now focusing on, especially with clients or even on podcasts, I tell everyone the importance of somatic therapy like working with the body to release stuck survival energy because most of us are on the scale at least from what i see through my lens which could be incorrect <laughs> is we're experiencing a lot of disassociation on the planet or disembodiment so we're not actually in our bodies we're not actually feeling there's a lot of mm. dysregulation in our nervous system because we haven't completed these survival responses due to developmental or shock trauma or ancestral or, you know, transgenerational, intergenerational trauma. Mm. And that's because there hasn't been enough space, truly, I think internally, but also culturally for us to do this deeper work. But yeah. on the planet, as we can all see, as we're all evolving, there's, there's not only a necessity that we do this work, um, but it's now the time and place to do this work. Whereas like yeah. our parents didn't have the, didn't have the base needs to even have these conversations sometimes like, just putting food on the table, paying a mortgage, like taking care yeah. of kids. Like we weren't talking about trauma. Yeah. Right? So I think it's so important to not 
bring blame, shame, or judgment into this conversation because I know that's where a lot of it can go real quick. Mm. <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's your fault. And it's like, well, when you zoom out and you start to look at the picture as a whole, no one's at fault. Like it's the way this whole world has been operating has been birthed out of trauma. And now it's like this time to heal the trauma so that we can birth a new world out of actually, hopefully alignment. And I might be speaking from a very big optimistic bubble on this one, but I am a full-blooded optimist <laughs> and a humanist. But yeah, I think completing... I'm going to go full circle on you here is completing and getting curious about um, how embodied we are. Yeah. Like in how, how uh, our nervous system is operating. And you'll see, you'll see a lot of this in, in our culture is like anxiety, depression. Right. And so, yeah. you have, so anxiety is like hyper arousal. So that's when the nervous system is super, activated and then you have hypo arousal and that's like more of that depressive apathy and that's like where the nervous system is kind of in that more of a free state and the goal through reparenting through somatic therapy through doing all of the beautiful healing work that we're all being invited to do right now is to expand our window of tolerance so that we have more internal flexibility and capacity to sit with this human mm. experience, which by the way, is incredibly painful at times, Yeah, which feeling pain sucks. We all know that, yeah. um, which is why we avoid it. And we create this like dysregulated nervous system because we're trying to cope with reality. But I think the opportunity now is, is to do the deeper work necessary to expand our capacity to sit with <laughs> being human. Yeah. And that requires that, that self-healing work. Mm. Yeah. Taking it internal and being like, okay, I'm committed. I'm devoted to, to coming back into my body, to feeling. Mm. And that's, that's a brave journey to take. Yeah. Like I really have so much acknowledgement for anybody who is creating space in their lives to feel and to, to go within and to heal these deeper layers because it's not easy, you know, like, and mm. I don't want to paint it as that. And I actually think it's a privilege. You know, a lot of people on the planet are, if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs are in trying to meet their base needs. Yeah. And that breaks my heart. Cause I'm just like, Oh, like not that, not that they don't li probably live a better life than a lot of people at the top, you know, financially, because I think that, yeah, anyways, we don't need to get into that. I, I could unpack culture and society and we don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's necessary right now. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> deep bows <laughs> to anybody doing the work to, yeah. to really create enough space to move forward and, and reconnect to their life force. Mm. Because once you actually get back into your body and you've actually completed some of these um, stuck and frozen responses. It's called like de-thawing, like thawing out the nervous system is what it's called. You start to come online again. It's almost like in the matrix where you're like, you're like, oh, here we are, part of this. You start to see clear. It's really interesting what happens actually in my own experience. It's been eye-opening, but it's also been um, very sensitizing in that I was like, wow, I didn't see a lot of this stuff before because mm. I was so narrow-minded 
But yeah. that when I started to release that survival energy, I was able to expand my awareness and see a much bigger picture, hmm. which requires that we take up more responsibility as well. Yeah. Because when you see a bigger picture, you become more responsible for the picture you see. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> that was a lot. Oh, Sorry, people. Um, you are <laughs> traumatized um, by this. Um, well, you got me. You got me. Um, <laughs> You got me in the feels before when you were talking about feeling and actually, you know, getting into your body and feeling what you're feeling. Um, <clears throat> and it's, yeah, it's, so what came up for me was like, um, I have been learning how to feel more and, um, and learning like, why, why don't I feel? Like, why did I, why did I run away from feeling? Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can, I can see it. I can see how it happened. And, um, you know, I, I don't mean to like throw anyone under the bus here. Um, but because they're only doing what they know, but like, um, my, um, I have a little sister. She's like nearly four years old. Right. And um, we were all outside and she was like distracted with something. And then we all went inside and my, my stepmom like closed the door and she, by accident, she closed the, the, the glass door instead of the, the flywire door. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, Lulu, which is my little sister started crying. And then um, my dad was like, Oh, what happened? And my dad's like actually gotten a lot better at this stuff. And he was like, oh, what happened? And then he's like, mommy locked me out. And then her mum was like, oh, stop crying. Get over it, you know? And I was like, whoa. And then she, she came in, like Lily came in and she was crying. And um, she's like, she's like, oh. And then she, like her mum reenacted what she was doing. And it was like, oh. And it was kind of like, well, the way that I took it and the way that I felt was a lot of shame. Yeah. For, for for crying mm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i was just like oh fuck um you know this is this is how it starts you know like this is um and again i'm i'm not throwing anyone under the bus and i'm not trying to shame anybody for treating their kids that way but just want to have this conversation so that it can make people more aware and awake yeah. um but yeah like it was like, holy shit, that's, you know, that's where we're taught to, it's not okay to cry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I hear you. And thank you for sharing that story so vulnerably. It's such a, a, an, a an incredible example of how subtle this, um, how subtle, well, in, in that case, it doesn't seem so subtle, but like when we look at it through a child's lens, you're like, wow, that is really traumatizing hmm. to be shamed and mocked and to, to be told to shut, to stop, to shut up. And sometimes that can be even more extreme with parents. And that's where that rejection, right? Rejection of self comes in. And that's where that shame piece, anybody who has felt rejected for feeling what they feel for being who they are, 
um, will shut down and repress those vital parts of their personality or their self, their being. Yeah. And in order to keep those repressed, we have to rely on narratives such as shame and guilt and anxiety to keep, you know, the brake pedal. Don't leave, don't, don't let those parts of you out because you're going to be shamed again. Hmm. You're going to be rejected and that's painful. So in yeah. order to avoid feeling the original rejection, we then reject ourselves, right? And we create this massive pain gap between who we truly are and who, who we're being because hmm. we, because we've had to become something else in order to fit in, in order to be loved, in order to be safe in our family environments. Um, and, and so closing that pain gap, like you're describing is like being able to see and name and go back to those uncomfortable experiences and, and back into your body and those uncomfortable experiences and allowing that little child to be seen, to be heard, to be felt and to be nurtured and loved in a way that reminds them that they are safe, that they matter, that they're valuable. Like all of that work is incredibly important Mm. incredibly and i really acknowledge you for for turning towards instead of running and mm. reopening the the door to your heart so that you can begin to feel uh deeper because we need we need people feeling um yeah it's and then you know our parents parent the same way they were parented you know it's like yeah right when we zoom out and that's where there's this both and is like yeah, they need to take responsibility for how they showed up. And then it's like, and we can also hold to some extent, depending on your environment and family system and everybody's different here. Then there's that compassion piece of like, wow, what did they have to experience in yeah. order to create and recreate that dynamic in their own, in their own parenting um, process. And I'll say that at least in, in, from my experiences, that usually throughout the generations, it gets better and better. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's horrible, tra horribly traumatic. And then it's like, okay, we can choose to do a little bit better, but there's still some. And then it's like, and we can never get it hundred percent. Right. You know? So yeah. also the grace in that. Mm. But I think, you know, <laughs> shame is, is shame is something that not a lot of people want to feel, which I totally get. Cause it's awful. Um, you know, disgust and like feeling like you want to throw up. Um, and that's what prevents a lot of people from taking responsibility is that shame piece. Because if I take responsibility, then I have to own that the way I showed up wasn't, wasn't to, to my best that mm. potentially caused pain. Right. Yeah. So I know that a lot of the younger generations are shaking the boat on, on this, especially in their family systems. Yeah. And it's causing a lot of, <laughs> a lot of waves. Yeah. Um, and especially in my family, they're like, what are you talking about? And it's like, well, this was my experience. Yeah. And I remember, uh, bless my father, but he was like, I think you need to keep it up top. And I, I remember internally, like, keep it up top, like stop feeling, you know, basically, because that's what he had been told and taught his whole life in order mm. to survive and in order to move forward. He's just yeah. like, let it, I will heal. And it's like, no, no. And I remember internally in that moment saying to myself, I will never keep it up top again. Mm. And then as, as you might know, I know, you know, personally, like I go in, I'm talking about everything. I'm like, let's liberate the whole <laughs> conversation because anything that goes underground and is pushed, like is really driving the boat. And we think that we're so, in, 
so much in our conscious control, which is such an illusion. Um, mm. <laughs> it's like, no, there's a lot of other drivers uh, that are in the driving seat. And if you don't do the work to look at your shadow material and all of your repressed emotion, mm. it's going to get the best of you at some point. It's gotten the yeah. best of me more than I care to count. And it's deeply humbling when it happens, but you're like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was... <laughs> I thought I was doing good on this whole awareness journey. <laughs> it looks like I still, you know, the work never ends. But Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Forever, forever working. And it's just to add quickly, it's like, it, it doesn't mean like you're completely flawed and fucked up that you have to keep doing all this work. Like, yeah. yeah. You no, just it can be fun. Yes, exactly. Like we can have, we can, we can infuse this with play and laughter and storytelling this is why community is so important right now yeah. in our healing journey is like this is not an individual ride you're not here to heal alone yes there is a part of this journey that is absolutely sacred solo journey that everyone needs to go through mm -hmm. but it, or and we also need each other that's why like you sharing your vulnerability on your platform which i've seen which is incredible to witness um and inviting other men in in all humans no matter how we identify into this conversation of a deeper healing mm. and deeper connection with these deeper layers is so, oh, it's so beautiful to witness and to yeah. see because when we come together and share our stories, shame can't live or exist there. You know, Brene Brown talks about that a lot and she's mm. pretty much saved my life when it comes to the topic of shame. If anybody hasn't read her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, highly recommend it. Such a, such a potent, powerful book, but this is why coming together, at least for me, and cultivating uh, sisterhood and also deep, deep relationships with my male friends has kind of helped, has supported me more than anything in releasing the shackles of shame that have kept me in, in, in boxes of fear. Mm -hmm. And it's like every time I kind of share a story or get a little more vulnerable, I'm a little more liberated. I'm safe to be me, right? And we, mm -hmm. we, through that process of allowing of opening of being vulnerable we not only support a deeper connection which is i think the whole purpose for being here is being in connection um but we also create more regulation in our nervous systems and co-regulation mm. where we start to recode and repattern all of those beliefs from trauma, which is I'm safe here. All of yeah. me is welcome here. Yeah, I love that. I can be me, I can be loved, I can be accepted for who I truly am. And that's that courageous journey we all take. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release this next layer. Yeah. And be like, okay, is this welcome here? And that's why surrounding yourself with people who are cheerleaders and people who support this process and people who have your best interest and, and and support you to your highest potential is number one. If you have not only psychic trolls, you don't need that shit in your external world too. If you yeah. like call people forward, like yeah. set a boundary, like I'm no longer going to engage in this type of conversation or communication or drama, or gossip, whatever it might be, because it's not supporting me in moving forward in my life. So um, we all have to hold each other accountable to that. We really yeah. do. Yeah. We don't have time for that. No. Nah. Aunt, we don't have time for that anymore. You <laughs> ain't, know? Got ain't got time for that shit. Ain't got time for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. Um, so like while we're on the topic of shame, I'd love yeah. to talk a little bit more about that. 
um <laughs> just a just a yeah, little bit why not? like like yeah. not <laughs> yeah. um i mean we've got we've got 15 minutes i think cool yeah so um like what does shame what's the best way to ask this what's the best way shame sort of shows up or like what does it look like yeah and how does it affect us mm-hmm. oh my gosh so i call it the shame core the shame core and the shame core is created by yeah. big t trauma small t trauma so any experience where we felt uh violated or helpless or rejected for who we truly were um and and that kind of all spirals together and creates this shame core and the shame core operates on these three beliefs which is i am broken i am unlovable and i am unworthy so that's what kind of keeps the shame core really rocking is like those three core beliefs and oh gosh shame keeps us small it keeps us hiding it keeps us it keeps us from stepping forward it keeps us from sharing our our true feelings it keeps us from sharing our truth it keeps us from believing that we deserve more or that we are worthy of of more whether that be in relationship in our career in our lives in our um, in every single area of our life, it basically just kind of is like, I almost like liken it to like chains that just keep us small mm. and afraid of actually, um, being seen mm-hmm. like at its fundamental level, it blocks connection. Like shame keeps us disconnected from our true selves because of trauma. So of course we have to make sure that we bring that into this conversation because it's there for a good reason. Like all of these, these armors and these protective mechanisms and these strategies that we all use. So like perfectionism, people pleasing, like all of that is like a really great way to try to compensate. That's me. (laughs) Guilty of all of them. And we learn to compensate you know, and, and, and try to transform ourselves into these pretzels in order to be seen safe and loved. But the, the unfortunate part about this is one, we never feel truly loved for who we are Mm. because we're not being who we truly are, which is such a conundrum. And then two, we don't trust when other people love us because we're not actually being who we truly are, you know, like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of self-abandonment, you know, when shame comes into the play and it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to, to really reclaim these parts of us that have been pushed underground, that have been pushed into our shadow, that have been ashamed, that mm. have been shamed, that are terrified of coming out. Because even when you look at this from a, a bigger lens and I go macro and I go micro, but like culturally, for instance, like sensuality, sexuality, so much shame around all that whole topic of conversation. So what happens? It all gets Mm. pushed underground Mm. and then it comes out in weird ways because it's not safe to actually have a healthy expression of our sensuality or sexuality. And then when it does come out or it's, you know, we see, I'm just going to use the example of the Super Bowl halftime show because people love talking about that right now, which doesn't even make sense to me. That's a conversation. I'm just like, (laughs) what like i'm shocked 
but again, it goes to show you how small my bubble is. Is like I've really surrounded myself with people who are. Oh, I don't need to. Yeah. Anyways. Um. But it's like it triggers people who haven't done the work to reclaim those parts of themselves, and that's really. I think the big invitation for anything like that's triggering, like deeply, mm. there's usually shame there and an opportunity to turn that trigger into a deeper intimacy with that part of yourself that you've rejected or you've had to reject in order to feel safe, to feel, to feel worthy, to feel loved. So mm. it's a big reclamation is like, whenever we feel shame, that's the invitation to reclaim that part of ourselves. Yeah. Beautiful. Shame. Shame. May, may we all share what we feel ashamed about so that we can liberate, liberate ourselves to move forward in our lives. Yeah. So does, does shame, like, is shame working with our ego? Like, is it, uh, is it kind of, is it all working together? You know, like trauma and then shame oh, yeah. and then ego, you know, like, because it's all yes. just trying to keep us safe. Yes. It's all created... You're right. Like number one priority is survival. And the and this is interesting is because the more trauma we face or have faced, whether um, intergenerationally through our lineage or in this personal lifetime, our own mm. history, the more shame we feel, the more fragmented we become, like all of these different parts everywhere um, internally. And the more disconnected we are from a greater mystery from our bodies, from our soul, from something bigger, from something deeper, from something wiser, from something um, that unites us all, like that, that bigger force, if you will, the divine God, a goddess, whatever the heck you use to describe that greater mystery, which um, for me, I didn't even come in contact with until in my middle, middle of my 20s, where I was like, oh, I'm not just this individual person. Like I was so highly identified with ego because I needed to be, I was hypervigilant, right? If you experience trauma, which many of us, I don't think you walk this planet without trauma. Mm. I really don't. Yeah. Because we live in a traumatizing environment right now. Yeah. Like, and to say that we don't is, I think, dangerous um, because it needs to change. Um, anyways, oh gosh, that topic. We've got a lot of heavy lifting, but <laughs> with grace, with dance, with yeah. storytelling, back to like the indigenous ways. Um, <laughs> it all works together to keep <laughs> separate to keep us disconnected to keep us disembodied to keep us out of our power to keep us from remembering who we truly are mm. and what we're truly capable of and that's why healing trauma and doing this deeper work to connect to yourself your soul your heart your body is life-changing not only for generations past, because once you heal your own, you heal up and you heal down. And then we have this opportunity to create something in more alignment with the collective heart mm. and soul, which really jazzes me up. And I know people think <laughs> that we're a long way from that. And I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Mm. So it does all work together yeah. to keep us fragmented, separated and yeah and so so how um like how would you know if you experience shame around a certain part of yourself like mm. how do you first go like oh yeah i'm uh i'm shameful about that like 
Is it, is it a thought? Like, do you feel a certain way about something? It's a myriad of things. Myriad. It can, it shows, it probably shows up in every single layer. So like, yeah, of course, from a mental level, you'll have the belief, like I'm bad, I'm broken, um, or I'm stupid. Like whatever flavor your inner critic likes to throw at you. Oh yeah. Uh, And then somatically, it feels like a collapse. You know, where it's like, I need to collapse. I need to hide. I kind of like your, your shoulders kind of hunk over and you might feel it in your gut where it's mm. like, you know, where you have this pit in your stomach, um, like you want to hide, like you want to repress yourself or like scoot into a corner. Um, that's in one way shame shows up. I also think that sometimes aggression is a way that we avoid feeling shame. Okay. Because there's healthy shame and there's toxic shame. So let's just clarify that. I should have started there. But like healthy shame. <laughs> yeah, what? Sorry. <laughs> I know. Shoot. Um, <laughs> healthy shame shines a light on where we're acting out of our own integrity. And that's where we need to take responsibility. That's where it's like, ooh, okay. I need to take ownership. I need to take responsibility. Like I wasn't in my integrity. I wasn't in my moral compass. And that's a really important thing for people to feel. And then there's right. toxic shame, which is what I talked about previously. It's like that shame core of like, I am bad, I am broken. And that's what keeps us small, disconnected, repressed, and fragmented mm. is that toxic shame where it kind of turns in on itself yeah, and becomes this self-oppressing, anas- like anesthetic, if you will. It kind of just puts us to sleep, Yeah, it's really a gnarly visual when you think about it. Um, like, oh, we're zombies? Weird. Um, but I will say though, and this is huge yeah. component to me, is when we are children, we don't have the option to act in our instinctual ways, which is fight or flight, to mm. remove um, and move ourselves out of an environment that is, that is painful. We also disconnect from our clean anger. Okay. So aggression is shaming, blaming, and barreling down somebody else's personal boundaries. So when we yep. avoid shame with aggression, that's usually an indication of like, oh, there's probably something there. You need to look at that. Um, but healthy anger, clean anger, is this protective um, energy that we all have. You know, think about like protective mama bear, or protective mom. Like you can feel that fierceness of like, don't mess with my children, right? And we need to become that within ourselves with our own psychic trolls but also um in ex- in expressing external boundaries clean anger is a protective energy that lets us know when a personal emotional spiritual psychological boundary has been crossed okay. and we had to shut off from that clean anger which mm. many of us are shut off from because of early trauma we don't actually have access to that tap or resource to stand up for ourselves. And that is a process within itself. And that's why I recommend somatic therapy, breath work, tons of healing modalities to really get back into right relationship with our instincts, um, clean mm. anger. Um, yeah, clean anger being a major, like a major one. Because the more anxious you feel, the more probably disconnected you are from your own clean anger and your ability to stand up for yourself and feel safe in this world. Yeah. So, <sighs> Long story short, (laughs) we are all beautiful, powerful beings who are on a journey of remembering that through our healing process. So, yeah, that's it. 
I love how you went into clean anger because that's something that I've also been like, what is healthy anger? You know, cause like obviously there's toxic anger and you see, you know, guys that are drunk and like starting fights and, you know, or like coming home from work and, you know, yelling at their, their wives and partners for whatever. And, and you know, and not vice just versa. saying it, yeah, vice versa, cause it happens with females. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always, a, well, not always, but I've been curious for a while now, what is the clean anger, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm like, is it just like when you feel like shit and you just want to just punch the fuck out of your pillow? Is that clean anger or like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. As long, you know, and, and create a container to actually get curious about anger, what it feels like in your body. Like for me, I was so disconnected from anger and I know that generally speaking that men have a different relationship with anger, even from a societal uh, perspective of like women aren't taught to be angry, like act like Mm. a lady, keep that, you know, don't Mm. be crazy. Don't be a bitch. Right. All those words. Whereas men have been socially conditioned to actually, they're allowed to be angry. They're not allowed to cry. Don't cry, but like be angry. Right. So it's like getting curious with that anger in our relationships to it. Uh, But, but I think men, have rage too. And I think their rage is valid. And I think mm. there needs to be containers for men to express that in a healthy way instead of taking it out on each other or themselves. Mm. And so I don't know what that looks like specifically in men's work. I, I do know that there are some male practitioners who are really good at creating containers for men to experience the deep rage and pain that they do feel from from their experience, which I think is important um, so that you can have a healthier relationship with it and it doesn't get pushed underground and then show up when you're drunk at a bar fight, which is so, oh, it does not make sense to me. Something that will never make sense to me is is violence. Like it's, it's very interesting. And I know a lot of people like to use evolutionary biology to describe that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, <laughs> great use that thread here but like we need to become more conscious of that like than yeah. that like we have way more access with consciousness to default to <laughs> like that type of behavior mm, yeah you know i've I mean? never like, i've never understood it i never understood it either i was like what are you maybe that's just like my own superiority complex but i'm just like i get it if like somebody is coming after you and you need to protect yourself totally cool yeah protect yeah. yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. But like to start a fight or like it's just yeah it's yeah childish. i mean it truly yeah. is yeah sorry sorry anybody out there who's listening to this and they're like oh gosh <laughs> yeah like i don't even understand the sport of fighting like I, oh yeah i don't understand why you would want to go in this ring and actually like purposely hurt somebody else like I do not understand that, and I tried to have a conversation with my friends about it the other day because he was a fighter and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I was, I was just like I don't get it, man. Like, why do you want to do that? And uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was I couldn't quite get a straight answer, right? Yeah. But I was like, yeah. not like I'm not not judging you for doing it, but I'm just saying I don't, oh. I personally don't understand it. 
yeah. I don't understand why these people like to hurt other people yeah. to, to win, you know? Yeah, it's like a dominion. It's like a, I'm yeah. more powerful than you, which is well, yeah. in the thread of evolutionary biology is like the pack leader, right? You have to kind of show dominance. And I'm just like, what are well, you? Yeah, that was, that was basically what they were kind of talking about. Yeah, because oh, they really? were like, yeah, yeah, so- yeah. It was like, um, not like a CrossFit gym when somebody else comes in and, um, you know, you train like from somebody else from another CrossFit gym comes in and you, you guys train together and you're social and you, you like each other, right. And you're welcoming yeah. like in, in fighting, you don't really go and train at other people's gyms. But, yeah. um, if you do, it's more, a it's more a thing of dominance and like you, you're trying to show who's the better gym. And I'm like, that just fucking sounds like ego to me. Like you, you were seeking some sort of validation, like, you know, and it sounds, it sounds stupid. It's so stupid. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I do, trust me. I do. I do know what you mean. And, and I think that this has been, I think this is also a part of our cultural system. You know, you've got, you've got this like pyramid of, who's at the top is like the most valuable, the more, most worthy. And it's, it's almost like created this need for dominion and power over. Yeah. From, from a, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't work though. And it doesn't make sense. And hmm. um, it's really sad because it keeps us again, disconnected from, I think a deeper intimacy that is available to us. Yeah. Um, when we aren't operating out of competition and I think these are, these are bigger threads of like where we're shifting of like where this needs to go. But then there's also, you know, of course there's testosterone and men need to move that and they need to be, you know, activated in that way. And at least from, from what I've heard about people who from men, but I'm like, okay, cool. Go do that. Um, <laughs> move your body. It's healthy. Like get it, like express yeah. that testosterone in whatever ways, but just not dominion over or control over. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's where it gets wonky and weird and dark and, shadowy yeah, yeah for me totally totally agree with that <laughs> yeah so any dudes listening and like <laughs> i kind of get the sparring for fitness you know like like punching yeah. um you know punching a punching bag or sparring with another dude and punching the pads like yeah. i that that whole thing of like um you know, exerting force and like moving your body and, you know, you can become quite flexible and, you know, you got to have a lot of agility and coordination or everything like that. I think that's awesome. But yeah. like then transferring that over into a ring to actually wanting to hurt somebody, I don't understand that bit. So, mm-hmm. so anybody that loves fighting, I'm sorry, but I don't get it. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm curious, but I'm not sorry. sorry. <laughs> you can be you. I don't judge you, but like, <laughs> do you actually, know yeah, fuck it. I'm not sorry. <laughs> it's good. That's a like Canadian rubbing off on you. Exactly. You were in Canada for too long. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, good. Right. Hey? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, what are you sorry for? <laughs> you what? didn't do anything i bumped into you why are you yeah. saying sorry <laughs> so funny how we <laughs> yeah it's great um so yeah awesome we're gonna wrap it up there um thank you so much but before before we go can i ask you a couple of finishing questions absolutely awesome um so um 
Do you currently have a morning routine? I do currently have a morning routine. And what does it look like? If Is it recurring every day? And what does it look like? not so much recurring every day. I used to be every day, but I don't, I just flow with what my body wants me to do now. Um, so I just ask yeah. my body yeah. and my heart, what do we need to do today? But a lot of the times it's like, I light a candle um, and I meditate yeah. and do some deep breathing, but I also move my body. Like this has been really helpful for me of like stretching my upper back right now. So I'm like moving my body and just allowing the energy to flow and stretch in ways that feel nourishing. Yeah. Cool. That's sweet. Um, it's funny because there's a lot out there these days. It's a, you know, like morning routine, get your morning routine. You, you know, you win the morning, you win the day. Right. And that's very masculine from what I've, yeah. Like I'm doing these podcasts and there've been two or three, um, women that I've spoken to that are quite awake. Um, and that, yeah, like, well, um, uh, Kelsey doesn't have a morning routine. Mm-mm. She just, she does whatever she feels like. Uh, M spirited seeker. She does yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. Like there's no, like to feel in feminine flow. It's yeah. about going with the flow. Yeah. So yeah, that's so, super interesting. So to answer your question is yes, I have a morning container oh. that I set every day to yeah. flow within. Okay. So there you go. There's cool, my cool. morning routine. I set a container. <laughs> <laughs> um sweet all right next question yeah what are you currently reading a book i know you're writing a book but you're currently reading a book i am what is it called and what is the biggest thing you've taken away from it oh (laughs) too many things (laughs) oh gosh well i'm reading women who run with wolves from clarissa pinkola estes which is a masterpiece if you are a woman or you identify as a woman highly recommend this book. The biggest thing I'm taking away of it from it is reconnecting to the wild feminine soul. Like mm. it, our journey does look different and we need to know that journey um, intimately in order to, I think, reclaim all of who we are and remember who we are. So it's helping me remember who I truly am. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Sweet. Um, I think there was one more question, but I can't remember what it was. Run with but the I, <laughs> I did want to say one more thing. Yeah. Basically where I am now, you have actually been quite a large inspiration mm. to, yeah, with my journey and, and it all started at a Mexican restaurant in Vancouver when we were eating tacos. Yes. And I was like, I really want to do like start this business and do this and do that. And, but I've got a house and I have to keep working my shit job and this and that. And you were like, sell your house. And I was like, oh, but then I've got this car and that car. And then you're like, sell them. I was like, oh, but like, I've got to, I'm going to lose money and this and that. And you're like, you're like, yeah, but you'll have money from your house. You can just pay the, the rest of that off. I'm like, yeah, but I'll be losing money. And then you were like, you're going to lose money or lose your happiness. And I was like, right. Mm. Okay. So I went and did just that. Mm. Sold my house, sold my cars. And 
it's been an uh, incredible experience and thank you so much for not only inspiring, well, you were kind of calling me on my shit, right? So thank you for that. And also inspiring me. I, I, I was just shining a light on what you already knew to be true. For yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was just reminding you of what's possible exactly. for your beautiful, beautiful heart and soul. Uh, yeah. You know what? I acknowledge you for listening, for exploring that. That's a brave, brave choice to make. Um, no matter where you are, who you are, like, I deeply acknowledge you for, for choosing that path of your happiness and for following the ride mm. and showing up. Like, I'm so honored. I'm so honored to be a part of your path and to be, to be one spark um, of inspiration. It's truly, it's been a fun ride. I, yeah. I, enjoy, I enjoy our, our connection and our kinship more than yeah. you know. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, thank you so much for coming on the potty today. Thank you for having me. And guys, that's a wrap. Also, guys, I did forget to ask Kaye um, to share her platforms, her Instagram platforms and um, anything else. So I thought I'd just jump in and uh, share it. Um, so you can go and check out Kai's Instagram. It's at beingisbeautiful. And you can check out her podcast. It's the Zura Health Podcast. And also, her and her twin sister, um, their their uh, their health website is, or their health company, the website for their health company is zurahealth.com. Um, so yeah, everything will be in the show notes. You can, you, there's links in there for for all of that as well. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys, and have a great day.